It's Thanksgiving. Trump is running for president. We still don't know what's happening in Arizona. What is even going on with elections in general? There's so much. There's so much. We got to talk about it. Let's check it out. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast, and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around because we're going to laugh and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. Happy Thanksgiving uh, to you Americans. I realize that there are a few here and there who listen to this podcast who are not in this great country, and I am glad for you to be listening, and I hope you have a wonderful regular week of your life, but as I'm recording this, it is the week of Thanksgiving, which is in my top, you know, three favorite holidays. Obviously, Christmas has got to be number one. I'm feeling like 4th of July and Thanksgiving are pretty well um, side-by-sided in terms of favorite order of holidays, so I'm very much looking forward to it. I love, I love Thanksgiving food. A lot of people are like, you know what, I'm not a turkey person. I really don't like stuffing. I'm not into the sweet potato pie. Not a huge pumpkin. All of it I love. I love all those things. Actually, we already bought, we bought three turkeys so far because we already had a Friendsgiving with our church group. We're going to have real Thanksgiving, which of course, we're going to have turkey. And then we have to have a turkey dinner at home because when we go to a friend's for Thanksgiving, which we do every year, we don't get necessarily all the leftovers that we want. (laughs) So we got to make Thanksgiving all over again. We love Thanksgiving, love the meal, the actual meal of food. So I am very much looking forward to that. I'm making so much food and I'm trying some new recipes, some old favorites. I would love to know if you want to shoot me a little email at wendycunningham at protonmail.com. What is your very favorite Thanksgiving food? What is the thing I might be missing that I need to make or try? What's your favorite dessert? What is the thing you're looking most forward to? Our family has some rules and boundaries around holidays, specifically the Thanksgiving holiday and the Christmas holiday, that every couple of years we have to relearn this lesson, but we have decided that we will be home for Thanksgiving and for Christmas at our physical home, not just in our home state, but like at our house. And anyone, any family member or friend who wants to come and visit us during those times are certainly welcome. And we have had grandparents and aunts and people come and visit on those particular holidays. And we love that. And you're very welcome. But we will not be going to you. And it's nothing personal. It's just a decision we've made for our family. And if that just sounds marvelous to you, I give you permission to do that next year. (laughs) I give you permission to put those boundaries around your family. We did travel last year for Thanksgiving 
and went back to California and spent 10 days and relearned this lesson. Not to, not that we did not have a wonderful time. We had a great time. But I feel like holidays add an extra level of expectation and pressure where you have to see everybody on the ho actual holiday. And it's just pressure that doesn't need to be there, you know? I'm like, I would rather go and spend 10 days in California in a random time when there's no, like, particular day that I need to be doing every single thing with every single person. You know what I'm saying? So we stay home. We actually go to a very dear friend's um, for Thanksgiving and do that every year and we love it. And Christmas, we are big hard. We go to church on Christmas Eve and we are home in our pajamas on Christmas Day, which I grew up going to my grandmother's on Christmas Day, which I loved and thought was extra magical. We did Christmas morning at my house and then we went to my grandma's for the day, but I don't have a grandma here locally five minutes away that I can go to with my kids. So it is perfectly fine with me that that Christmas morning just plays out all day long. We stay in our jammies. We make a bunch of food. We eat a bunch. We, the house stays a wreck. Often I don't get out of my jammies. Actually, this last Christmas I had vertigo, unfortunately, and spent a couple of hours in bed, which was not exciting. But all the more reason I was super glad that I was at home and had no expectation of being anywhere because I could just hang with my family, watch a movie. So I love the holidays because we extra make sure that they're chill and exactly the way that we want them. I actually just had a girlfriend here and I'm watching her bunny while she actually is leaving the country for Thanksgiving. And she was just like feeling all the burden of having to rush around and pack and get the bunny down here and get on the plane in the morning. And I'm like... Oh, thank you for reminding me why I don't do this. Not She's excited and looking forward to it, but I just thought that sounds extra stressful. And I already have a counter full of food ready to be prepared. All that to say, happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Oh my goodness. I have not recorded a podcast in about a week and a half for a couple of reasons. I've just been tired. I've been tired of the news cycle. <laughs> I've been tired of the midterm conversation and, you know, Trump announcing his candidacy for president. We're going to talk about all that. But it just feels like, oh my goodness, right now. That's how it feels to me. I don't know why. I'm just a little, I don't want to use the word discouraged, but it's somewhere in that land. And I'm going to talk about that too here in a second. But I've just been like uninterested, maybe that's the better word, just uninterested in reading about it, talking about it, listening about it. I love listening to podcasts. I try to do like political podcasts. Like I enjoy it. I'm a complete weirdo. But the last week or so, I've just been like, nah, like I actually listen to like a murder mystery podcast, which is like, I don't do that. Um, so that's just where I've been at. But I thought, you know what, I'm about ready to come to y'all and talk to you about this and ironically tomorrow as I'm recording this tomorrow will mark two weeks since the election and we do not have a final answer out of Arizona as to who is elected they're actually still counting votes for the attorney general which is a very important key role in that state the last opportunity for election integrity to actually happen and you guys if we do not see just the most insane need for election integrity right now, two weeks out, we still don't know who the heck is elected in certain states. And we're seeing stuff come out of Pennsylvania, all this fraud uncovered in Pennsylvania. I mean, 
it feels, it would be really embarrassing to be someone who has said in the last year, the biggest threat to democracy is fill in the blank with any other end to that sentence other than this sham of an election situation. Because where are those people right now? Like, where are all the people that, like, are so worried about democracy? Because it feels like we have a very viable threat to democracy with the way these elections are going, especially in Arizona, where it's absolutely going back to a recount. There is a a percentage of likelihood, I don't know what the percentage is, that the entire state will have to redo their election based on the voter suppression and the... Gosh, I don't know how malfeasance. It it just feels really suspicious when everyone knows that a huge percentage of Republicans are the ones that come in person to vote. And f- it's now estimated that upwards of 50% of polling places in Republican precincts were affected on voting day. And there are a number of people, of course, this is anecdotal, but there is a number of people reporting that they were not, in fact, able to vote because of the level of either incompetency or malfeasance hardly matters. It's voter disenfranchisement. You know, like, I, I don't know. It's just embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. And the person who is making the biggest mess of this election is Katie Hobbs, who is the Secretary of State currently. She's in charge of elections, and she stands to be the governor of that state if this goes the way that it's currently going. I mean, what an actual embarrassment. I mean, who is not calling for this to be going more smoothly? Who is not calling for that? And who, I mean, in California, another great example, California, those races are called within 30 minutes, 90 minutes after the polls close in the state, the elections are being called. That's not the right way to do it either, right? I mean, where it's like blue, 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 every county's blue. Oh, goodness. Okay, maybe that's the case. Is that, is that, and especially when you're seeing on the screen, you know, 30% of votes are in calling it for blue, calling it for blue, calling it for, with 30% of the votes in, you're sure, AP Associated Press, that it's going to go blue? You're positive on that one? It's really interesting just, you know, to pay attention. And yes, I do feel, like I said in our last podcast, that I don't know how much of an opportunity we even have, we speaking as the conservative the conservative audience, have of winning a presidential election ever again. But I also want to say I'm not sure that it matters. I'm not sure that it matters. And I'm, I mentioned this before. But in the time since my last podcast recorded to y'all, I went to my very first GOP meeting. <laughs> Never went to one. Um, I am not in the GOP, as a matter of fact. And I went to a meeting because the person who is taking over the GOP of our county, I know and respect, and he's a believer and a pastor, and I was curious what he's got going on. And I was actually really inspired by what he had to say and encouraged by the amount of people in the room. Regular people never have been very involved in politics. We actually heard from a right to life speaker who I'm going to have on the podcast, um, friends of the NRA, just kind of hearing from these groups. I've never heard from any of those groups before. I've never kind of been involved, plugged in. But it was really exciting to see what was happening in my local, you know, county, where I absolutely have a voice, got to have a conversation with my um, county commissioner and with my 
state rep was they were there at the meeting and I got to actually shake their hand and have conversation with them. That actually felt like it mattered, right? That it made a difference. And I would encourage those of you who are feeling discouraged or uninterested or defeated or what have you to do that, to go. And if it doesn't make you feel inspired, then you're going to need to get involved because the pastor who's taking over the GOP in our county actually asked me and my husband immediately, like, you guys are, the, we need you guys involved. We want you to show up. We want you to be, and actually my husband right this minute is at a, let's just say he's at an event, might be a protest, um, at a neighboring county, might be a library involved, might have done a podcast on it already. It is important to be involved in those local issues and have a voice where it actually matters. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not giving up. But I'm not sure if we have a voice in the federal government. Hard stop. I'm not sure if I even have that much of a voice at the state level, although I'm more encouraged having shaken the hand of my local representative who is going to go to Nashville on my behalf and hear and be my voice in Nashville. I feel a lot more encouraged now that I've had a conversation with him and see where he stands and see that he showed up and all those things. So I'm feeling much more encouraged having gotten more involved locally and gotten less concerned at the giant top federal side of things, right? So Trump is running for president. My husband, if you're a friend of his on the, the social medias, um, has already come out and announced his support for Trump. I'm not ready to do that. However, I do see Trump's timing as interesting. He came out, okay, the, the, he came out one week exactly after election day, midterm elections, and announces his candidacy. Um, it's interesting because that was kind of right at the pinnacle moment when if you were going to become very, very, very upset with the way the election was going in certain states, and I mean, we didn't know the results of Nevada, we didn't know the results, obviously, of Arizona, there was a number of states that were still kind of being contested, and then here comes Trump, and he announces that he's running for president, and he's a big, fat pacifier. He quells the angst and settles everybody down, and not to say that I'm advocating for anger or you know, people taking to the streets or anything like that. But now I feel like there's this energy of, oh, okay, Trump's going to be back in the office in, in two years. So we just need to wait another two years, which is exactly what happened after the boiling pressure point of January 6th is this, this like pacification of we just need to take back the House and the Senate in the midterms. And then there was like two years of that's our that's our goal, that's our goal, that's our goal. Then no one even showed up to do it. Nobody even, the, the numbers of people that coulda, shoulda, woulda been voting. I mean, I have people who do know what's going on in politics, friends, who forgot to vote on election day. Forgot. Because, you know, we're just, we're living the life. We're just having a good old time here very pacified, not very upset. Um, and that's great if that's how you feel. If you're just stoked the way the country's going, then gosh, I'd love to shake your hand because <laughs> who are you? Statistically, you are in the severe minority. So if we're not going to show up and vote for the midterms, and even those people who did show up and vote in the midterms and then felt like they were still disenfranchised, 
disenfranchised, felt like there was still an election integrity issue, then they're pacified almost immediately with Trump's announcement that Trump, here he comes to save the day, he is our hero, we all depend on him, and once he gets back into the office, he is going to... What's he going to do, guys? What is he going to do? First of all, how? Tell me how he's going to be elected when we've lost Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, Pennsylvania. We've lost them. They're gone. Bye. We'll see about Georgia. Well, we got good old Brian Kemp as governor again. We saw how he how well he handled the election last year, last year, last time, last cycle. I don't know how that's going to go. I, I'm, I'm unsure how that's going to go. Uh, in terms of how we will get Trump to the White House, if he's even the candidate. But I got to tell you, there's a, I have a lot of people in my circle that did vote for Trump who are not feeling very Trumpy this time around. They're not feeling like they love what's going on. Um, I don't know if it's just an exhaustion again, like a, a feeling of fatigue, Trump fatigue, if you will, uh, a voting fatigue, election fatigue. Well, let me just say... I don't know if he's going to be the candidate. I don't know how I'm going to vote. I don't, I don't, I'm just, it's way too far out. We're just going to see how it goes. But I do want to say that there is a agenda. There is a movement. It is part of the Marxist ideology to fatigue and discourage and outlast and wear out the opposition. And if you're listening to this podcast, you are the last stand. You are the opposition. There is no opposition outside of us, guys. When we're talking about a Marxist agenda, a, a movement of destruction of the ideals that we, generally speaking, conservative, we hold to be of value, right? The family, Christianity, teaching in schools things that you know let's not hate each other and hate ourselves in school right let's go back to the country is good a patriotism a sense of patriotism any of those values ringing any sort of bell to you then marxism is coming for that by its own self-proclamation they are against the family unit they are about destruction they are about tearing everything down so that they can build everything back up in the way that they want it to be. They are very much anti-Christian. You guys, everything that we love and, and used to protect in this country is under attack. And the goal of Marxism is to outlast fatigue and discourage the opposition, which is us. So I, I realized that as I was feeling discouraged and fatigued by all of this, I felt like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what they're trying to do. That is exactly the goal of my quote-unquote enemy in this game and yes it is a game in so many ways it is a game and we have to play it we have to play it or you lose by default you forfeit if you don't play it right we have to keep pushing back we have to keep standing up for what matters you guys because generations before us did it for us and we have to do it for the generations that come after us we have to. You guys, I'm sure I've said this before. I'm sure you've heard it. Let's see if I can say it right. Weak men make for bad times. Bad times make strong men. Strong men make weak times. Weak men. Weak times. No, wait. Strong men make strong good times. 
<laughs> Let's start over. Strong men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make hard times. Hard times make strong men. Then it repeats. There we go. We got there. We're in the weak men making bad, hard times part of that cycle. And the only answer is for strong men and women to rise out of it. If we stay weak, if we stay down, if we stay, if we stay beat back, then it is going to be catastrophic for not only ourselves, but for future generations. Goodness gracious. I mean, read about the Bolshevik revolution in Russia. Read and understand how these things go. Examine history. Please make it a priority, you guys. It is so pivotally important that we go back and understand how this has played out and how many lives were lost due to the same exact strategy being deployed in the past that is being currently deployed against us. You guys, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. So it is, we are, we are feeling discouraged, defeated, fatigued, all of those things divided by plan. It's part of the plan. It is not by accident. It is absolutely on purpose. And we have to, Marxism requires that the opposition gives up the fight. It's, it's mandatory. We have to give up for them to win. That's how they win. So goodness gracious, you know, there's one way for sure to know that your vote didn't get count and that's not to cast one. That's the only for sure way. It is possible that you will cast a vote and it will not get counted. That is a very real possibility, unfortunately. However, it might get counted. It might matter. It might make the difference. In the case of Arizona, uh, the attorney general on the conservative side, Abe Hamaday, I think his name is, he is going to win or lose by a couple hundred votes. It could be a couple dozen votes when it comes down to it. It is, it is truly a, every voice matters in that situation. So if you give up, if you don't cast a vote at all, well, then you're not a part of the solution. That's for sure. Your voice isn't heard, right? The game is changing, but it is a game. You can't forfeit. We have to understand it. We have to pivot. We have to be smart. We have to be on our toes. We can't be back on our heels. And it matters. It matters because I have kids. It matters because you have kids. It matters because you have grandkids. It matters because your neighbor, your friend, you have nephews, you have somebody. Somebody has kids. We are leaving this earth. We are leaving this planet. We are leaving this government to someone. And it, what do we want to hand down? What is the legacy that we want to leave behind us? Because we will leave one, whether we want to or not, whether we take part in it or not, one will be left on our behalf. What will history say about our generation? What will history say about the adults of this time? Were they active? Were they more concerned about aborting their own children? Because I'm telling you, a lot of people came in, in the entire motivation for why they showed up for the midterm is because they wanted to maintain, hold on to the right to kill their own children. If that does not say something about our generation, I do not know what else says something about our generation. 
And if, if that doesn't just stir your heart and soul to get involved, because that is the state of our nation, that we might have lost the conservative side of this, might have lost the whole game, because there's more people that want to kill their own children, that want at least the option to kill their own children, that... If that's not something to fight for, if that's not something to stand in opposition of, to stand against, there is not another thing. There is not another thing bigger than that. If that is why people are coming to the polls to vote, what? where are the rest of us? Where is the church, for goodness sakes? Where are the pastors? Where are the godly people that say, this is crazy? The people that are coming to vote saying, I want the right to be able to mutilate, mutilate my children if I want to. Not just murder them, but once they're born, if they decide that God has made a mistake and they are a girl when in fact they are a boy, I would like the right to start as early as humanly possible, manipulating their development, their brain, their hormones, and inevitably their body. I would like to reserve that right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up at the polls to vote. You guys, these are the people that are coming to vote. I don't know what else is going to motivate you to get you out of your chair, start paying attention and start fighting for the next generation because it is devastating what is happening. It is devastating when we look at the drug overdoses, when we look at the suicide numbers, when we look at the anxiety and depression. We have the most liberated, I use air quotes, liberated generation. You are allowed to be the opposite sex. You're allowed to make up a gender out of clear, clean air, clear air whichever. You you could say clean air or clear air or climate change air, which apparently also causes heart attacks now. I don't know if you read that article, but there are particles in the air from pollution that are causing all these excess deaths. In case you missed that, watch out. Maybe put your masks back on, guys. I mean, it is, it is insane. It is insane what we're up against. And it's more insane to me that people would rather just put their head in the sand or not have a voice or not stand where God is. You guys, if you are not sure, and this is my, my call to action is my goodness gracious church, Christians, we have got to enter into a season of prayer like never before, because we are not fighting flesh and blood. We are not fighting each other. Although it feels like we're fighting each other. We are not That is not who our enemy is. We are fighting a spiritual battle with flesh and blood weapons, right? We have got to get on our knees. We have got to start petitioning the heavens. It matters. It makes a difference. We have got to be a praying generation, moms and dads, church. We have got to be known for the prayer intervention that's going to shift the atmosphere because it is a spiritual heaviness and darkness that is falling on our children. The quote-unquote most liberated generation is by far the most depressed, anxious, suicidal, and drug overdose generation to ever walk the face of the earth. If you tell me that this is the most liberated, this is the most free, this is the generation that is able to do whatever they want, and that's good, and we should encourage that, and we should keep moving in that direction despite every single alarm bell going off all around us. My gosh, we have got to wake up. We have got to engage, and I'm saying we've got to engage on a local level, and we have got to engage in the spirit, y'all. We have got to engage on our knees because this is a spiritual battle, and we are losing in droves. We are losing in droves because we're showing up to the wrong fight with the wrong weapons. 
That is truly what I'm seeing. There is a side that God is on. And if you're not sure which side it is, and I'm not saying he's conservative, he's Republican, he's liberal, he's, I'm not saying that. Take politics off the table. That's an easy way to see where the evil is. When we are advocating to kill our own children, when we are advocating for the mutilization, mutiliz mutilization, mutilizing <laughs> of children, it's very clear to see that is not where God is. Period. Full stop. That is not where God is. That is not biblical. God does not make mistakes. God is intentional. God creates and authors all life. It is very clear to see where God is not. If you're not sure where God is, look for where he isn't and stand in opposition of those things. Because I can see where the evil is very, very clearly. And I'm not sure always which issue God is on. Sometimes it's gray. Sometimes it is very black and white. And I will stand wherever that against that evil because God hates evil and we have to hate evil because of that. These are evil things. We're not talking about, well, I don't really have an opinion. No, no, no. You don't, you can't not have an opinion about things that are evil. We will be held responsible for the things we do and the things that we don't do in this generation, y'all. And I will not stand before my father in heaven on that judgment day and say, well, God, I mean, I wouldn't get an abortion. I mean, I didn't want to, you know, advocate for mutilization, mutilizing, I don't know what the word is, children. I didn't advocate for it. But did you stand in opposition? Did you protect the least of these? Did you protect the children? Goodness gracious. Okay, one more word before I wrap this on Trump's candidacy, because I forgot to mention this when I was talking about that. In his speech, which I did watch, and it was long, a little too long, he said something that I have not heard other than my husband. Too many people get onto this. He went on a rant and this is very dangerous and we need to take very serious note of this. He went on a little mini rant about how drug dealers, and I'm going to misquote, so I apologize. Drug dealers, once they are convicted of their crimes, need to be executed immediately. What? And he even said, this is how they do it in Korea or this is how they do it in China. I'm not, I'm not sure. I can't recall. I can't believe he said that. And I can't believe that conservatives are not calling that out on the carpet. Uh, no, we do not need to have an, a crazy speedy trial waive our rights to appellate court and execute the next day. Um, no, no, we don't need to be doing that. That is an extreme statement, very extreme position of all things, drug dealers. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I just said, we have a very serious drug overdose, overdose issue in this country. We have a very serious drug issue coming across our borders. I think drugs are a very bad thing and we need to address it and all that. But drug dealers, I mean, not murderers, not rapists, drug dealers need to be executed immediately. Just a weird statement. Weird little rant he went on. Weird thing. Very, makes me very cautious, very nervous. And nobody's calling him out on it. And I'm like, what's the deal? Don't do that. Again, it's like, of course, the DeSantis stuff, like the picking and the name calling and all the stuff we don't love about Trump. And he even said, 
my cabinet or my advisors told me not to touch this, but I'm going to say it. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, listen to your advisors, Trump. Don't say that. Goodness gracious. So all of these things bring me pause. And again, I don't think it, it matters because that's not where our rescue is coming from. Right? I put, I, in my last podcast, I said our hope is in Jesus. That is true. Our hope is not in Trump. But our hope might not be in DeSantis. Our hope might not be in the presidency at all. Our hope might be, oh, heaven forbid, in our own hands. In our own hands. Because I don't know what Jesus is telling Biden or Trump or anybody else to do. I don't know if Trump or Biden or anybody else is asking Jesus for direction or Holy Spirit or God. I'm asking I can listen. I know what he's going to tell me. So that's all I can really control. Why would I send someone to the presidency when I don't even know if he's going to ask, if he's going to pray, if he's going to listen, if he's going to discern? I can only trust that I will do those things, that I will pray and ask and listen and discern. And if only me, then all I can be accountable is to the action that I take. And if, if you are praying and asking and Holy Spirit is giving you direction to not get involved locally or not come out against abortion or any of these things, I would ask you to check your word because God, Holy Spirit, is never going to give you guidance that is in contradiction to his word. So that makes it easy to cross-reference if you are discerning correctly from Holy Spirit. Because if it's not in his word or if it is in his word and he says the opposite, you ain't hearing from Holy Spirit. We need to pray. We need to be a praying generation. We need to discern what our moves should be in this time. And then we need to do them. We need to look where is the evil. And we need to stand in opposition to that. Because it will be on our ticket when we get to stand in front of the Father on Judgment Day. It will be, did, why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you speak out? Why didn't you protect the children? Uh, what on earth reason will we give? What will we actually say? It's a weird time, guys. It is a weird time, but I do feel that it is more important than ever for us to fight against those feelings of discouragement and defeat and fatigue and to stay involved, stay plugged in, be students of history and be on our knees in prayer. If nothing else, be on our knees in prayer. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Father God, would you make your voice loud and heard by your church? Would you convict the hearts of believers across this great nation and across the globe, Lord, in a new way? Just fill us all with the Holy Spirit, bring us to our knees in prayer to you, Lord. I know that you are asking me specifically to be a, to enter into a season of prayer, Lord. I just pray that you would ask your church. I know that is in your word. I know that you have already asked us, but I would pray that you would convict us to come to you in prayer and petition, constant prayer and petition, Lord that that is how we would make a difference, that that is how we would change the atmosphere and encounter your spirit in a new way, Lord. I just ask this in your son's holy name.